Welcome to the 615 Sessions podcast on this Friday afternoon. Lovely to have you in for another episode. We've got Rhett B. Tennessee. That's where you can follow him on Twitter or X, the executive producer of Titans Radio, the game day host of Titans Radio, the man, the myth, the legend, and part-time wrestling character, Rhett Bryan is here on the podcast here today. Hey, bud, good to see you. Long time. I feel like we haven't done this in a minute. It's been a minute. It has. Uh, but yeah, glad to be back. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm scared to ask you for more things than you're already responsible for on a daily basis, Rhett. It's just during football season, I know how tired I am and how unwilling I am to do other things that people ask me to do beyond the purview of our day to day. And I know that for you is tenfold at this time of year, because no matter what the team's record is, no matter uh, good, bad, indifferent, the grind does not stop. My friend, the show must go on queen and Freddie Mercury said it the best. Indeed. So the show will go on on Monday night football and the Titans will play the dolphins on the road. Uh, it would be a big spot to win their first road game of the year, uh, Rhett, that would be, uh, it would be interesting for a variety of different reasons, but just kind of like how we got here and, and what, what the message in the locker room has been, I think is important for people to hear. Cause I had Tajay Spears on the radio show today and you, we all know what a big fan of him. You are just even beyond what we've seen from him this year. You knew that this was a guy coming in that was high character, that was high effort, that was a three-down running back that could legitimately make a difference for this team right out the gate. And certainly, I don't think I, you, you may you've you've been right about a lot of things in your lifetime, my friend. I'm certain, but this is this is one you seem to have nailed. Well, here's the thing, Buck. Uh, first of all, that's the first time anybody said I've been right about a lot of things. That's that's a first. So thank you for that. Uh, but no, Tajay made an impression on me in the Senior Bowl in, in Mobile nearly a year ago, and when I got started talking to the young man, just kind of hearing how he operates, uh, he's real. He, he definitely keeps it 100. Uh, you know, we were in the locker room yesterday and they were asking about, Hey man, I know it's a, you know, second primetime game, but it's your first Monday night game. Got to be pretty exciting. Kind of a big deal. He goes, man, I'm from the hood. He said, everything is exciting when you're from the hood. I'm like, you know what? That's why I love Tajay Spears. He keeps it real and he, you know, he's right. It's, it's huge. Um, you know, the opportunity that he got last week in the overtime loss to the Colts was huge for him. Uh, you know, Derek Henry was being looked at for, uh, you know, a, a probable uh, concussion deal and a concussion protocol that turned out not to be the case, but they still monitored him and the air on the side of, of caution, they kept him out. And he made the best of it. He had, you know, career high in carries, career high in yards. Um, and more importantly, the Titans got the run game going. What, 177 yards between he and Derrick Henry, which is exactly the formula for Monday Night Football. If you want to keep the Dolphins' offense off the field, uh, have those 15-play drives that take seven, eight, nine minutes off the clock and put it in the end zone. And that that level of consistency or or lack thereof, I guess, Rhett, with the with the rushing attack is is kind of been a bit of a theme for them all year. Now it seems in the last couple of weeks that they've found ways to run the football. There uh, they've had now consecutive weeks with the same starting offensive line group. My God, what universe, what parallel universe do we currently exist in? 
Uh, and while it was it was far from perfect against the Indianapolis Colts, a good defensive front, and they'll see another one on Monday Night Football. I do, I do think that just general more time spent together as a unit is going to benefit them, you know, provided knock on something that they can stay healthy. So uh, with with that being said, you know, Vrabel's talked about possessing the football all week long. We understand that the most effective way to play defense is against these guys is to keep them from having more possessions than you have and to kind of drag them in to your game. That will be made especially difficult without Jeff Simmons, who we know for sure uh, will be out for this game. But I do think, Brett, that they're, you know, I came out weirdly reassured and Lucas and I were like trying to figure out how to say this without sounding like, you know, without sounding like homers basically. But like, I was weirdly encouraged by the fact that the Titans fought their asses off against the Colts. They came up short. They've got deficiencies, but like the whole, you know, Mike Vrabel not resonating with the locker room, like guys aren't trying and stuff like that. Like, I think that very effectively put those things to bed. Oh, it absolutely did. Um, it's the first time in maybe in in the tenure of Mike Grable as the head coach, you know, he always does an exclusive with us in post game after he goes to the podium to talk to you guys. And he sounded defeated. He sounded weary. He sounded tired. But the overriding message was, he said, I'm so lucky to coach these guys. I'm so mm-hmm. lucky to be their coach for them to call me their coach because of the effort and everything they put on the field and left on the field for three hours and 34 minutes, 149 plays on offense between the two teams, 736 yards total offense between the two teams, seven and a half minutes of a, of a 10 minute overtime period. I mean, they left it all out there. Um, and you can't help but think, you know, certainly, I mean, they had a 17 to seven lead at halftime that, you know, vaporized and, and went away and, you can't help but think maybe if Jeffrey Simmons continues to play that game, it doesn't get hurt. Same thing with, you know, whatever happened with Derrick Henry and obviously Ryan Stonehouse and you know Josh Wiley and some of the others uh, that maybe that we'd be talking about something different going into this game Monday night. Yeah. I mean, uh, certainly the discussion would be different at five and seven than it is, than it is at four and eight um, where they were previously big by nature of tiebreakers and what the kind, the kind of season that the chargers are having, for example, like going into that Colts game, they were still very much in that, in the graphic, Lucas and I have been making jokes about be just be in the graphic, the, in the hunt graphic to try and make the postseason, And, and you know, the, the beating the Colts would have solidified their pursuit for something a little further And it, you know, they're not officially dead yet. Um, but we understand that they're in a particular kind of spot and that, expectations need to be adjusted thusly. But like in speaking to Spears and watching and talking to Levis throughout the course of the week, as, as I know you do as well, whether it's uh, in the locker room and getting re- stuff ready for Titans radio and the pregame show and Titans countdown and things of that nature, just doing general background, like that, that rookie class takes the losing as harshly as they seem to, where Levis is getting up there and saying, well, that was my worst performance as a Titan. When I'm looking around and being like, but you you felt like the only real spark that I, that that team has had in quite some time where you're out there fighting for it. And Jalen Duncan is uh, uh, a screen grab of him, you know, getting emotional, getting a little dusty after the loss where he's, you know, it's telling Jim Wyatt afterwards earlier this week that I've always been like that, like losing sucks. I don't ever want to be a part of that. And that, you know, while we're looking for kind of baby steps, things for them to build upon and Levis being a part of that. I think it is, I think that that kind of, Hey, 
he's got for as many rookie contributors as they have right now, I think that almost helps them because the NFL can wear on you. There's a lot more losing done at the NFL level than there is in college, certainly for a lot of these guys coming from like SEC programs or stuff like that. And I think to have that kind of mentality on this kind of team, while it may not while while it may not outright win them games, I think it's going to continue to give them the best chance to succeed each and every week because that mentality really matters. And that's tough for older guys to have on a four and eight team. Sure. And, and you know, you think about all six rookies have played in some capacity more than others, more some more than others. Um, and that's the kind of people you want on the football team. I think that is something as we sit here in early December of 2023 and look towards 2024 for a second, that is something that I think that Mike Grable and Rand Carthon and this organization wants more of. Sure. I think when they go into the evaluation process, hip deep and neck deep here in the next few weeks when the season is over, football character is going to be a huge part of that. And if you're going to hear that phrase a lot, football character. In other words, the love of the game. How much do you love the game? Well, what you told me about Jalen Duncan, that tells me he loves the game. You know Will Levis does. You know Tajay Spears does. Colton Dowell clearly does. He's getting opportunities on, on special teams, and he keeps doing that. He's going to find his way into the wide receiver rotation at some point. Maybe as the fourth or the fifth guy, but you know that's the kind of stuff that they're looking for is somebody who's going to do the dirty work, not afraid to get their hands dirty, and loves the game. I think that is uh, some of why uh, there may have been some mixed signals about what's going on in the locker room or whatever. I mean, I don't have it on good authority at all, but that may be a reason why Monty Rice isn't here anymore. I don't know. You know, it, you start put, trying to put two and two together. I do know this, you know, they're, they're fighting for each other in a place where in some seasons past with different rosters, different personnel, I've seen them kind of fold up the tent and go home. Yeah. No, and and certainly people with that kind of context who have seen this franchise at, you know, a variety of different stages throughout the course of its evolution, it's it's far from the worst stretch of football that Titans fans have been through, but the expectation has been raised and I think that's why, you know, I think that's why the the crash, if you want to call it that, feels a little more visceral because you have, you if not achieved, you have tasted that level of success and you want to continue to try and find ways because as, as good fans should, that's absolutely how the situation should be handled. Um, you know, and kind of going back to your point about Monty Rice, do you want to be a Monty Rice as far as attitude? And listen, uh, Monty, I got to know him a little bit. I think he's a different kind of cat generally. Didn't, didn't work here. And Mike Vrabel said as much as well. I do know that there were some things that Monty Rice attitude-wise, was not up to par, that Mike Vrabel consistently tried to work with him as a player, and that at a certain point, you just, if you're not getting through, something's got to give. And in Monty's case, you know, he'll have an opportunity with the Saints. I saw he saw him signed on their practice squad there. But would you rather be Monty Rice from an attitude standpoint, or would you rather be Tajay Spears? And that's kind of like where this thing is, is right now. And so while they go through a variety of different uh, scenarios, preparing for the offseason and the the changes that need to be made and the needs that need to be addressed. Uh, guys like, uh, you know, Spears comes to mind. Elijah Molden, I think, is one of those dudes who maybe fans think they might be on the fence about or whatever the case may be as, a, as, a, as an on-field football player. But that dude seeks us out to give comment 
So he just because he knows we need to talk to somebody about what's going on, and he's trying to embrace more of that role, right? That kind of stuff matters. Um, I think is you know at at this kind of ground floor phase that they're out, where you know they might have a quarterback. The signs are getting encouraged more and more encouraging every week, and you know ultimately they'll have five more games to make a, a determination about the future direction that they want to go in. Um, but I think that you know that that specific mentality part of it is what they have to figure out now. And, and you know, who who's who's up for it, basically? Who's, Tajay Spears is, is, is a great example for a variety of reasons, but he brought up today the idea of being too intent at Tulane and then turning around the following season, having great success, winning the Cotton Bowl, and just how much the losing in that 2-10 and ten season taught him. I'm not saying that losing is good for you to an extent, but I do think that it can find ways to galvanize a group. And, and you know, that's what you hope for beyond – just the talent that might pan out here. Well, and one of the one of the byproducts of what you're talking about is valuable, extremely valuable reps and game experience, in particular with the six rookies. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how much some of those guys have played and what they'll look like in 2024 now that they've had been around a trip around the sun, as they would say, in that building. Uh, and getting with Frank Perino and the strength and conditioning staff and having all those resources available to them and then knowing what to do because you've been there and you've done that before, that's a huge dividend down the road. It, Yeah, okay, Rhett. You know, people are like, yeah, Rhett, but they're four and eight. You know, I understand that. I get that completely. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, but I'm, when we're talking about these kinds of things, these are the kinds of things that, are going to be important to tell the Titan story in coming years if that you do check that major box of having your franchise quarterback in Will Levis, which I, I believe they think he's the guy. I think we're all starting to be convinced of that. That's a major one to check off the box. You know, there's what is it, four things you're looking for uh, as a franchise cornerstone. A quarterback's one of them. A shutdown corner is the other. A pass rusher and a left tackle. And, you know... It, I don't know what happens with Jalen Duncan in these last five games, but let's say that he starts, you know, because here's the thing. If you look at the yardage that they got on the ground, the way they were, Peter Skaronsky and, and Jalen Duncan were actually doing some good stuff on the left side of that line. If, if he ends up being the left tackle and Will Levis is the quarterback, those are two of those four major check uh, boxes that are checked off going into 2024, knowing that you have, uh, a pretty good amount of, of draft picks and a whale of money. You won't spend it all, but you can do some shopping. Well, and, you know, to, to your point about specifically Duncan, like just find out if he can play anywhere and if he can yeah. be viable depth because it's not just front-end players that we're talking about. Like they, it, the, the drop-off has been over time and it's been layered. And I think that's why the warts are so glaring right now for people um, because they're working through a multitude of things. So if you can find viable solutions – for 53-man roster spots moving forward, that's kind of where I'm at with the offensive line group. Brett Bryan is here, if you're just now jumping on with us on the live stream. He's the executive producer of Titans Radio. You know this, though. Of course, he's the host of Mac Talk every week with Coach Dave McGinnis on 104.5 The Zone, and he's breaking it down here with us. Uh, if your back's broken down, go to Relax the Back Nashville. Uh, they are the best in the business. Green Hills their location just right across the street from Hillsborough High School. I've been having a bunch of neck pain. Rhett, you wouldn't believe it. Turns out leaning over and staring at a cell phone for an average of 18 hours a day is not good for your back. So Imagine I, that. 
I am on my way to relax the back here in the very near future, probably tomorrow, to go and explore all the different ways that they can cure me of what ails me. Relaxtheback.com for more information. Um, so, Red, as we sit here, we're, we're live streaming the podcast, but uh, for the audience, you'll hear it after the fact. Uh, it is a Friday, but it's not a real Friday because the Titans will have another day of work on the field at St. Thomas Sports Park before the travel day on Sunday and, of course, the Monday night football game. So they haven't ruled anybody officially out yet. But the expectation, well, the the knowledge that Jeff Simmons will not be available to them. Um, Christian Fulton seems like it's going to be unlikely. We will see. Uh, Josh Wiley, who was, uh, who was knocked out of the last game with a knee injury, they're going to be missing some parts. But I think the thing that kind of uh, in taking away, talking to Mike Vrabel this week about, about playing as a defense against Tua, it's not necessarily about like the pass rush getting home because he's getting rid of the football faster than anybody in the sport right now. This is as important a week for coverage. Pass rush matters. We know pass rush matters. Pass rush matters here as much as anywhere else. But it is as important for them to be in position as a coverage unit because of how quickly that ball is going to come out to prevent explosive plays that are not just deep bombs, but explosive plays that are yards after the catch, yards after contact, things of that nature. The Dolphins do as well as anybody. So the Dolphins present a, a multitude of problems, and, and obviously Tua Tonga-Valoa is where it starts. You're right. I think 2.3 second, 2.32 seconds per snap is a, what he's getting it out at. Uh, and, of course, anybody that's throwing it less than two and a half uh, and has what he has should be doing quite well. And guess what? They are. Um, th- this offense is a pretty complicated RPO offense because – there's lots of shifts and motions and those things. Um, and, and because of the personnel, because of Tyreek Hill, because of Devon Achan and Jalen Waddle, I mean, he's got a track team at his disposal. And yes, they're doing shot plays down the field, but these explosive plays they've gotten, if my math is right, I think there's 63 of them so far this year with five games to go. It's not just to throw it 20, 30 yards down the field over the second layer uh, of defense in front of the safeties with Tyreek Hill, and he's gone the rest of the way. There's a lot – they make you miss in short space. And then they can run it 70, 80 yards. So, you know, th- there's all kinds of problems that this presents. And, by the way, the running game is doing quite well for them. I mean, Raheem Mostert, who would have thought – I mean, this guy's bounced around a couple of places. You know, he was with the 49ers. He's been with the Dolphins for a while. Lucas shocked me this week, Rhett, by telling me he's the same age as Le'Veon Bell. And I was, one, shocked that Le'Veon Bell is only 31 years old, and two, shocked that Raheem Mostert is still out here doing it. And 14 rushing touchdowns. And, and, and again, speaking to the how shifty they are with this offense, I think he's averaging three and a half yards uh, after contact. Now, Devon Achan, that's another story. I mean, six yards he's averaging after contact. I think he's averaging nine and a half yards per carry. So almost every time he touches it, it's a first down. So, you know, the the and the other the other challenge that is going to be for this defensive line without Jeffrey Simmons, as you have, have already mentioned, is you've got a left-handed quarterback. So matching hands is going to be matching hands with a different hand than what you're used to. But I would hope that, you know, if you're matching hands, that means you're going to be matching with your right hand. And if you're right hand dominant, maybe that's a little easier than doing what you're doing 98 other percent of the time. 
Um, I, you know, I just think that if you can disrupt the ball, because here's the thing, despite the prolific offense, 32 yards, 32 points per game, they're averaging and number one, you know, it's 400 and something yards per game. Their turnover ratio is negative four. Yeah, that's they interesting. turn the ball over. So if you can disrupt some things, and I don't like that, I think that's what Mike Vrabel's saying is you don't have to get there and pull them down. Uh, you can crash the middle of the pocket, and I think you can make him uncomfortable and force him into because he's fumbled it, he's intercepted. Um, you know, but again, I think the biggest thing in this is if the Titans offense can somehow uh have long sustainable drives on offense and third down has been you know a spot of woe for them if they can somehow convert third downs in this and get touchdowns where they need them uh that is the biggest thing to try to get this offense to slow down as you said earlier if you want to drag them into your kind of game and slow it down it's not it's not improbable that's you know, that's the thing about the nfl is as unlikely as it seems it's not improbable um, or impossible, rather. It's improbable, but not impossible. Just like the Patriots last night on Thursday Night Football, you know, they notably struggling on offense and come out and have one of their better performances of the season in a big spot on primetime. So, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, it will remain to be seen. Of course, I'll be in the booth with my main man, Rhett B. and Jimmy Wyatt, uh, 15 minutes before kickoff of Monday Night Football down in Miami. Of course, Titans Countdown gets you going two hours before the game, uh, and it will be a or one hour before the game. They'll have the Lee Company Countdown to kick off as well, uh, and it'll be a, it'll be an interesting one in Miami Gardens, Red, if nothing else. I, I imagine that we will see I – mean, it was certainly – sure as hell interesting the last time we were all down there uh, for Mike Vrabel's coaching debut. I, da- I don't imagine it would get weirder than that one was, but we'll see. It was pretty weird last Sunday. It wasn't that weird as the one you just mentioned because you know weather wasn't a part of it and an element of it. Uh, it's funny you do that, uh, talk about that too, because we just recorded an OTP today about the longest game in NFL history. That I think it'll drop on Sunday. And we'll mention that again during the broadcast on, on Monday night. Uh, thank goodness the weather's going to be in the upper 60s, a lot less humidity. Uh, not very much chance of precip, so uh, fingers crossed on that one. I don't want anything of like a seven-hour and eight-minute game that it was. Well, no, uh, because you did a whole season of Titans radio in one game. It felt like God love you. That's one of the more impressive feats. The entire crew, all of pretty that. wild to think too that that was Mike Vrabel's first game as head coach, and Monday night is his one hundredth. So it's really kind of weird how that's all kind of come back together full circle. God, there's going to be a full moon or something. It's going to be a weird one. Either way, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. And we'll be in the booth with Rhett, with Mike, with Mac, the entire crew uh, who all put out the exceptional product that is Titans Radio. My friend, it is an error by me for uh, having gone so long between having you on the podcast, but your insights and analysis are always welcome, and we are grateful for them. Appreciate you, Buck. Have a good afternoon.